2: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then, shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
3: Anian, You know, the, the customer only has so many depths or levels to their pocketbook. They're going to get to a point where they say, you know what, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to go buy another car. And, and, and people do that. I'm taking what they're giving because I'm working for a little. The car doctor. I would try taking them off by hand, right? you know, because sometimes you just need that steady pull versus the bang, bang, bang of the gun. The bang, bang, bang of the gun is what distorted the lug nut in the first place.
4: Welcome to the radio home of Ron Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal,
3: pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I think there's nothing more frustrating when it comes to automobiles than being on the side of the road trying to change a flat and your lug wrench doesn't fit. You know, you go to put it on the lug nuts and the lug nuts are so badly distorted that you just, never mind getting them loose, you just can't get the lug wrench to go on. And a lot of the manufacturers today are at fault for this. I have to blame them. You know, a lot of the manufacturers, and I'm going to blame one in particular, Ford, they've got a capped lug nut. Jeep has it. GM has it. Ford seems to be the king of it. I I see more problems with Ford lug nuts than, than anybody else at this point in the game. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why they don't all just go back to a solid lug nut. We had a 2015 Ford Expedition in the shop for some suspension work that we're still in the midst of. And in the process of removing the wheels, we found that the six lugs on the right rear wheel that we were taking off were just so badly hammered, there was no way it wasn't worth the effort, or nor would you even try to put them back on. And in looking at the rest of the vehicle, they were all like that. Uh, I wouldn't say all, you know, 20 out of the 24. And you have to say to yourself, Why? You know, can't they make a better lug nut? I don't get it. Um you know, and this is not this is not something I take lightly or or, or speak about lightly. Uh, you know, it's we've resorted to we have a twenty-one millimeter socket, a socket, tw- a nineteen millimeter socket, a nineteen and a half, a twenty-one and a half. We've gone the thirteen sixteenth route. Jerry wrote in from Connecticut and thank you, Jerry. I appreciate the wonderful email you sent me. Ron, I just listened to your show. From Saturday 128, I have a few thoughts on Ford lug nuts, and then he goes on to talk about how the cap steel design is prone to problems no matter how they fastened or removed. Agreed, you're correct. The hammering action of an impact wrench will distort the stainless steel cap. And and you know what, Jerry, I've got to tell you and everybody else, we've gone to cordless impact guns in the last couple of years, and I don't think the hammering action is as tough on lug nuts as it was on, um, as, as the air guns were. It seems like when we hit the trigger, the pop of the electric it's just one shot, and they they seem to come loose quicker. And it seems to be easier on the lugs. We don't distort, we don't beat up our sockets like we once did by the by the design of the tool. Uh, Jerry writes on. he says I have a twenty twenty one mustang and can say definitively the correct size socket for the Ford OEM lug nut is thirteen sixteen. I checked the lugs before they were removed for the first time. I believe most techs will use a twenty one millimeter, both sizes will work. But the extra slop of the twenty-one will accelerate the amount of damage to the stainless steel cap. Another factor is that most impact sockets used by mechanics are probably worn and fit loosely. I agree with that. You know, we actually go through the boxes on a regular basis, at least once every six months, if not every quarter. And and the Snap-on guy will take him back. We have a wonderful Snap-on guy, Jay Shopka, and he will uh, he will take our you know broken, worn tools, no problems, no no complaining, and uh. uh you know, just one, two, three, and out the door it goes. So, yeah, I mean, to upgrade and take care of your sockets, I think that's a maintenance thing. I think that's something you have to do. Jerry goes on to write that he did what I've done. I've replaced the OEM lug nuts with solid aftermarket lug nuts. I got mine at Dorman, Jerry, in case you're interested. DormanProducts.com. Dorman makes solid steel lug nuts for my Expedition, and I bet they did for yours, uh, for your Mustang as well. Many years ago, I had a similar issue with cap lug nuts on a Lincoln. I showed the service manager dealership that the factory lug nut in the trunk didn't fit any of the lugs on the car. His solution was to order a new lug wrench. I contacted Lincoln Corporate about the situation. A few days later, the dealership contacted me that they were replacing all the lug nuts. This is a 2002 Lincoln and 06. I found that on my damaged lug nuts, a 22-millimeter socket worked. There are a lot of Ford products on the road today with damaged lug nuts. Jerry from Connecticut. Um, y- y- you know, Jerry, you're you're absolutely right and I, I have to agree with you that it's, it's not Connecticut, actually. I apologize, it's not Connecticut. I'm not sure where Jerry's from. For some reason, I thought this was Connecticut, but it's a problem, and something as simple as a lug nut, as simple as a lug nut. You know, there's that old poem about, you know, for one of the kingdom, for want of a nail, the horse was lost because the horseshoe couldn't get attached, and then it extrapolates out, and it's, it's the, the, the loss of the kingdom was because of the nail the loss of the lug nut you can't get the lug nut off the car and they can't design something better than that and you know you have to sit there and you look at this and you say what were they thinking and were they thinking and you know is it just planned obsolescence on their part they've got to think we're going to change the tires they're going to think they've got to think we're going to rotate tires right but uh, you know suffice it to say that if you've got a vehicle and you're going through this and If you're driving a Jeep product or a GM or a Ford product, you want to pay attention. Um, You want to take a look at the lug nuts. If you go visit DormanProducts.com, the manufacturer is going to sell you capped lug nuts. Again, Dorman, if they make them, will be a solid steel lug nut, chromed or, or polished, whatever they're going to do. And they work really well. We did it this week, and you can, too. It solved our problem. Um, and at least I know this particular vehicle will be back on the road safely. I think there's a big place in the market for it. I think I think somebody could make a lot of money selling solid steel replacement lug nuts. Tom,
2: I was just going to say, you know how you mention all the time that uh, Snap On makes you know kind of odd size uh, right. sockets. Yeah. Well, my I think it's my uh, my escape. I think takes 19 millimeter. Right. Um, I found 19 and a half over at uh, Lowe's.
3: A 19 and a half socket yeah so yeah I, so well, i bought i bought that I, I bought the 19 the 19 and a half and the 20 just in case right well and and that's what i'm saying snap snap on actually sells a kit of 19 19 and a half and 20 and your escape your escapes another one you have a capped stainless steel lug nut yep and what happens is as the lug nuts get beat up as the caps get beat up imagine the chimney on your roof it gets kind of twisted around a little bit the bricks come loose moisture comes in So as the the cap of the lug nut gets beat up, taking it on and off during normal service, moisture gets under there and accelerates the corrosion, and now the cap comes loose. So the cap really isn't peened or pressed onto, you know, it's not an ODID thing where the inside of the cap fits tight over the OD of the impression that it's on. It's loose. It's sloppy. It's really a stupid design. I got to say it. It's stupid. You don't hear me use that word that often. Um, You'll hear me say idiot, but not stupid. But I think they're, you know, this is stupid. There's a difference. And I think it's a safety thing. I think about people not being able to change a flat on the side of the road in bad situations, odd hours, bad weather. Uh, you know, it's a flat tire is nothing to be con- taken lightly or uh, screw around with in plain English. It really isn't. It's. Um, I had this conversation with somebody this week. We were talking something about their vehicle, and they wanted me to do something. I said, absolutely not. You know, your life is in my hands, and uh, you know what? If you want to be stupid and do it that way, there's that word again. Um, you can do so, but your wife and kids ride in this car when you're not around, and I'm not going to do it. And. It had to do with uh, the way we were going to put brakes on the vehicle, which still amazes me to this day, too. I I can't believe that I still have people coming in asking me to do brakes the wrong way. They want me to do brakes the way their father did it in 1963. Uh, You know, like, do you think cars have changed a little bit since then? Like, hello? (sighs) You know? Maybe the Chinese spy balloon will beam those people up and take them with them as it as it leaves being over North America. Maybe that's what'll happen. So, are we allowed to talk about the spy balloon?
2: I don't uh, know, but I hope it uh, drops
3: my order of the food uh, so, you know when it comes over here. Well, is, is that what you're doing? You, you ordered you Tom you're yes, dead. Get out of here. So you ordered Chinese. That's that's direct. I bet you it's fresh. So eight five 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 six zero. We're in trouble now. Eight five 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 six zero. You know the Chinese are probably listening to this broadcast and. Uh, well, whatever. What can I tell you? Um, 855-560-9900. I got to keep you out of studio. I'm going to get thrown off the air. I'm Ron Annie in the car, doctor. I'm not with Tom Ray third today. He's out. I'll be back right after this.
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more.
2: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then, shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
1: Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
2: For the best in car advice, give Ron a call. 855-560-9900.
3: Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over to Ken in Virginia. wants to talk about a 22 Ford Edge. Ken, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
4: Yeah, Ron, how you doing? All right, what's going on? Been a while since i been a while since I talked to you. I got a 2022 Ford Edge, had 8,000 miles on it, and the engine light kept coming on. And they finally said they had to change the catalytic converter. Okay, why why would that catalytic converter go bad in 8,000 miles?
3: Four cylinder or the V6.
4: Four-cylinder.
3: Okay. Um, not a common thing. Haven't seen a lot or heard a lot of it. Uh, you know, I'd have to know more about it. Was it assembled properly? Was there an exhaust leak? Did they put the cat on it and it's fixed?
4: Yeah, they did. The okay. engine light doesn't come on anymore.
3: All right. So whatever it was, chances are it's a redesigned part because they. I'm going to say they likely found that something wasn't designed correctly and it didn't work right in whatever environment you're using it. In. Not that it's your fault. I'm not saying that. But
4: I yeah. well could it be because uh, I'm seventy nine, eighty nine years old? I'm getting my age all screwed up. Eighty nine years old, and I don't drive real fast. No, but that causes the catalytic.
3: No, not at all. Has nothing to do with it. Okay. You know when a okay. when a, when a car manufacturer sits down at the table and says, "Let's design an automobile for our market." You've got to hope and think that they're smart enough that they're going to design it to meet all sorts of expectations. You know, you're in Virginia, right? Think about right. think about the car they have to design for New Hampshire, or you know, the extreme of a Mount Washington where it's 120 below today, or Alaska, <laughs> exactly. or or California, or the heat of Florida. You know, there's a there's a broad range, and then there's there's all types of drivers, and there's all types of operating conditions. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't take the blame yourself. There was something wrong with that cat, something wrong in the way it was assembled, something wrong from the vendor, whatever the case was. But, you know, they stepped up to the plate. They did what they were supposed to do. You know, automobiles. Let me say this. When when, When you stop and think about it, automobiles are a very exact science done in a very exact manner for a very unexact market because they don't know what variables the vehicle is going to encounter once it gets out here into the real world. That's true. So it's 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 a yep. problem. You're going to say something.
4: No, I was just agreeing with you.
3: Okay. Um yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't take it upon yourself. I don't think it's something you did. I would just enjoy the vehicle for what it is and drive more. You know. Um, okay. It's just just go out and have some fun. You know, when I was a kid, I haven't talked about this in years and years and years. When Dad was alive, we used to go out on Sunday and we t- we would take rides to nowhere, and and I remember that as a kid. You know, where are we going, Dad? We're going to Chuchistan. I don't know where Chuchistan is, but you know, <laughs> we, we, we never seemed to find it. But Mom always knew where we were going because she'd put her hands up in the air and go, "All right, Harry." My father was was a Harry, and uh, well, know, and,
4: and that was probably good for the
3: yeah. It was so. Well, my father was a Brooklyn boy. He would we would we were living in Jer- in Jersey at the time and he would drive from Jersey out to Pennsylvania. Um, well actually the backside of that story is we'd go out for a Sunday ride the three kids in the back of dad's 58 Lincoln. With Uncle Seymour. Uncle Seymour was my father's friend from Brooklyn. Um, and these two were like uh, Ralph and Norton from The Honeymooners. They really were always getting into trouble. I just remember that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, we would, we would I ride bet that out. We, we, well, yeah, we would ride out, you know, and the three kids were in the back seat of the Lincoln. Nobody's wearing seatbelts, you know, we all somehow survived. And, uh, you know, we would ride out to the farms of Pennsylvania. We would stand there and look at the cows for three hours and try and get them to moo. I remember sitting on the fence and going, moo, <laughs> moo, moo. moo. And uh, we'd get back to New Jersey, and I'd, hey, Dad, we forgot to get the milk because that was the excuse he'd give my mother. We're going to Chuchistan to get milk. We'll get some fresh farm yeah. milk from right. We'd stop at the corner store. Well, we'd, I was, we'd come I home was and
4: born and raised on a. I was born and raised on a farm, so I know what you're talking yep. about. So, well, was, I, uh, I appreciate you taking time. You've uh, enlightened my day, and I enjoy talking with you. Thank
3: you, sir. I'm glad I could do it for you. You have a great rest of the weekend.
4: Right. Uh, you too.
3: You too. Bye bye. Yeah, we'd get home and we'd hand Mom the milk and it would say Farmland Dairies on it. And Mom would go, I don't know if Farmland Dairies was in Pennsylvania. My father, yep, sure was, Diane. Um, (laughs) My father was a character. Let's go over to Tom. He wants to talk about buying a new car. Tom, I'm at your disposal, Ron and Amy in the Car Doctor. How can I help, sir? Hey, Ron, how are you? Good. I'm good. What's going on?
6: Yeah, my car was totaled a couple weeks ago. I'm in the market for a new one. Uh, I know it's horrible right now, but I'm just seeing what your thoughts are on the, all the new bells and whistles, uh, mainly the safety items, auto stop, lane keep, all that. I, I don't know anything about it.
3: What, what, what were you What were you driving before this, Tom?
6: It was just a Kia. I uh, didn't year?
3: have any of it. What year? Uh, 16. Okay. So, you know, what, what's my budget? What are you interested in? What fits you? You know, there's a whole bunch of questions there.
6: Yeah, I want it under 50
3: and probably a small SUV or something. Okay. Why don't you go look at, if you can find one, why don't you go look at the new Toyota RAV4? Right. RAV4, and, yeah. Yeah, and there's different trim levels of that. And, you know, if it, I think you're going to find they have ADOS. They have automated driver assist. Uh, it'll have the camera in the mirror. And there's different levels of how much ADOS you want on a vehicle today. Uh, I like it. Understand that it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. It's part of the process. You know, it's going to require more expense somewhere later on. There's no way to get around it. I think when you're looking at a newer vehicle today, it's just part of the process. Uh, You know, the, the, the most important piece when I'm out looking at a vehicle is a couple of things. Number one, I'm not just buying a car. I'm buying a company. What is the culture of that company? What is the thought process behind that company? How well do they take care of their clients? All right? Toyota does a really good job of taking care of their clients. All right? They've had, yeah. they've they've always maintained and had a great attitude. I know firsthand experience. The average Toyota dealer, I'm going to base it on what happened three years ago, three, four years ago maybe at the most, uh, from firsthand experience, a very dear personal friend. He was the service manager of a local Toyota dealer. He had $1,000 a year per customer. I think it was a year per customer. $1,000 a customer, I'll say it like that, to make them happy over the lifetime lifetime of the vehicle ownership from Toyota, sort of like corporate money, to make the customer happy if something broke because they wanted to keep their customers happy. I think it was per customer, not on an annual basis. And, you know, that says a lot. I think Ford does a good job. I think GM does a good job. First-hand experience, all right. I think there's some really great quality stuff there. I think a lot of the car companies do it, but I think that's important to consider. It's also the the, the other thing you want to ask is who's going to work on the car? The average independent. That's the other question. Well, yeah, yeah a, it's you know, it's
6: who, who is going to be able to do this stuff in the future? You know, well,
3: there's you know, there's there's good and bad and all. I have to tell you that, Tom. I think there's good independent repair shops. There's bad independent repair shops. There's good dealerships. There's bad dealerships. I've said this for years, and I still believe it to be true. You know, a dealership, or let me say it like this, a repair shop, dealership or independent, is only as good as the people in it. The only difference is one has a sign over their doorway that says Ford. One has a sign over their doorway that says Bob's Auto Repair. It's as good as the people in it. I know some independent repair shops that will run circles around a dealership. And I know some dealerships that run circles around independent repair shops. I see it all day long. Yeah, uh,
6: you know, I can't imagine Bob being able to fix this lane keep assist or oh, any of that
3: you'd, stuff. You'd, you'd be surprised. All right. You'd yeah. be surprised some of the better shops out there. So, you know, whoever's been taking care of your Kia, was it an independent or the dealer?
6: Uh, both. a little of both.
3: Well, my advice is pick one and stay with one. Because you want to build a relationship, and that's the third thing. You've got to decide where do you want to have a relationship with, and that's the car you want to buy, and that's the car you can afford. Test drive it. Test drive it in the daytime. Test drive it at the nighttime. Have the total experience, and then come back and tell me what you're thinking. We'll go from there. I'm Ron and in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
2: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
3: Ronanini, the car doctor. Let's go over to Roger in Virginia, twelve Chrysler two hundred. Roger, you're on with the car doctor. What's cooking?
5: Hey, hey, I like that bumper music there. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm totally blind. In The early eighties, eighties. Okay. I used to flip cars to make a little extra cash. Okay. I recently bought a twenty twelve. I'm not. Buy- I'm not buying this car to flip it. I bought a. Bought it to keep. Twenty twelve Chrysler two hundred. Six-speed, four-cylinder. Uh, it it'll take off like a jackrabbit. The first three gears, first time, three times it shifts. It these are low gear ratio axle gears. Um, but when it shifts, I pay attention to it every time it shifts. It's an automatic, of course. But when it shifts, driving normally, just driving normal driving shifts from fourth to fifth. Sometimes about third to half third of the time. It sounds, it feels like it's downshifting before it goes up into uh, fifth gear or it's uh, losing traction. It, but it feels like it's not losing traction. It actually feels like it's uh, shifting down again to third before it shifts up into fifth. It doesn't do it every time, it does it. About a third of the time.
3: Okay. How many miles are on
5: it? 125K.
3: Right. Anybody anybody try diagnosing any of this?
5: No. Check, engin- uh, check engine light the... on? Huh? No. Check, check engine no. light on? Okay. Right. I've just had it sent transmission serviced. The fluid was good. There didn't seem to be any debris in the fluid. They put a new filter and everything. It was doing that before the transmission service, and it's still doing it. Okay.
3: Well, and... You know, I don't think you're going to see debris. If you if you if you see debris in fluid, it's going to be doing a lot more than what you're describing. Right. Uh, by the time it gets to the point of putting debris into fluid, it's lost a clutch pack or a band, and it's it's done. Game over. Game's probably over here anyway. The question is, is this transmission? Is this powertrain control module? Is this programming? Is this a solenoid pack? So the first thing I would want somebody to do is a vehicle module scan. And by that, I mean not plugging in an OBD2 scan tool. I want to go in by year make model, vehicle manufacturer specific, and look to see are there any faults anywhere. Perhaps we've got a pending code. Perhaps it's something that's about to set a fault, a P0755, for example, but it hasn't set it yet. Um, you know, keep in mind code technology or code strategy is such that, you know, it's, it's, it's think of a human being. Have you ever woken up on... On Monday, Roger, and you've got a little bit of a scratchy throat, and you're afraid you're going to get a sore throat, but you don't quite Mm -hmm. have it yet. And then, you know, Monday goes by, Tuesday goes by, Wednesday you wake up, you've got a sore throat and a running nose, you're sick, right? Mm -hmm. Well, on Monday, you had a pending fault code. On Wednesday, you finally set the code. Uh, You know, and it could be that way with, with a car in the sense that, and it could take a while. It could take months. It could be days. It just depends on what the problem is, how it's driven, and what the conditions are.
5: So It runs like a sewing machine. Don't it care.
3: Just... Don't care. I, you know, if it ran like a sewing machine and it was good, it wouldn't have the problem. You and I wouldn't be talking. So I just, I just tell me what's good. I'll tell you what's bad. I want to know. Does it have any pending fault codes? No. All right. Well, did you have it scanned?
5: Yes. Oh, you did? Yes, it's been scanned.
3: Did they scan all the modules or just OBD-2? He, he called it a deep scan. Okay, so he did a deep scan, so he's got no faults. All right, so the next thing is we've got to go and watch. Let's bring up the trans module, the trans-trans data, and start to look at shift solenoids. Do we see the transmission apply the shift solenoids at the right time? Mm-hmm. Do we see it apply them at the right time and the fault occurs?
5: And it's called the transmodule? Well,
3: we're going to go in and check the heart rate and blood pressure of the transmission. Okay. All right? We want to look at basics. We want to make sure that our guy can read data stream. I'm sure he can. All right? And he yeah. understands what he's looking at. Do we have a problem where the transmission is doing what it's told and it works? Or do we have a problem where the transmission is doing what it's told? It tries to do it, but mechanically it can't keep up because it's starting to fail. And that's that's the line we're walking here. Do we have a problem where the trans is doing what it's told, it responds in kind, but there's an issue perhaps, let's say, with the powertrain control module, the main engine controller, that it's creating a problem in how that transmission shifts. You know, the first thing somebody's got to do is determine when it goes from fourth, is it fourth down to third up to fifth, or is it from fourth to fifth, which is it? Right?
5: Yeah, it's it's definitely going from fourth to third.
3: How do you know and that?
5: Because I can tell by the RPMs.
3: Okay. Are,
5: are because you? Because it's, if it's shifting to another gear, it's going to the lower gear, and it sounds like it is shifting down to third, the rpms speed up it it feels like it's pulling it's not losing torque or whatever
3: roger but did i misunderstand to, did i misunderstand you in the beginning of the phone call did you say you were retired or blind
5: i'm totally blind and retired i'm 78 years old when in the early early 80s I flipped cars, and I learned to diagnose every just every kind of. So. I learned to listen to transmission shifting and blah blah blah. So you're
3: so you don't know if the RPMs going on. You're you're basing it on what the engine sounds like.
5: Yeah, it definitely the engine RPMs speed up between about a third of the time. Okay. Between ready to shift. How do you know, the, do you know the
3: transmission up? isn't slipping?
5: No, it's not slipping. It it's actually feels like it's downshifting for about a second and a half and then it it goes right up into 5th gear and it's it it's, there's no slack or slipping it feels like that it's designed to do this but it doesn't do it every time
3: then it's not designed to do it, is it? Huh? Then it's not designed to do it.
5: Right. Okay.
3: So, so back to my original statement. Somebody, so
5: how would we diagnose it then?
3: Well, that's what I'm explaining. You have to, you have, somebody has to look at trans data, look at the shift points. There'll be a chart and service information that tells you what speeds the transmission is supposed to shift and what the solenoids, when they apply, and what gear ratio is going to be set forth that allows the transmission to shift up or down. None of this seat-of-the-pants stuff. All right? There's a very scientific way to do this. First thing you've got to decide is, is this, is this real or is this imagined? And I'm not no, saying you're imagining imagine. I'm not saying, let me finish. I'm not saying you're imagining it. I'm just saying you can't do it by the seat of your pants because okay. it's got to be done by scan tool. So, okay. all right, the other thing I could think of is, and I doubt it, but I just want to mention it, is this a transmission programming issue that perhaps there's a trans program software update that'll resolve and correct this because it only happens on an intermittent basis. But someone, but you do have the ability also, you have to stop and consider that this is an electronically shifted transmission. Let's say it has a weak 2-4 shift solenoid. That solenoid should ohm out between 1 and 3 ohms. If all of a sudden the solenoid pack is having a problem and it's got higher resistance, it's going to affect how that transmission shifts and it's going to affect at what rate and it's going to affect what gear it goes into. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, did he do a deep scan looking at everything? Does it have anything pending? You know, where are we going? It's If it's a real problem and it sounds like it is, there's a reason for it. It's just got to be figured out and it's got to be attacked. Let's go gather some information and not base okay. it on, you know, what we think it should be. Let's go see what the information provides us. Make sense?
5: Yes, this repair shop has nothing but master techs, and I trust the guy implicitly. Okay. Then he, he is a good honest man and he's an expert okay thanks a lot
3: you're very welcome sir he should be able to solve it for you then be well bye 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 855-560-9900 i'm back right after this i promise
0: discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for non-stop action all winter long take the excitement of football basketball and hockey to the next level with same game parlays exclusive signature bets odds boost promos and much more Rev up
2: your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
3: Well, well, well. You know, all we were trying to explain to our previous caller is that we can't go by the seat of our pants. We've got to know. Data in, data out. Let's go look at a few things, and let's be aware of what the transmission is trying to do. What I was trying to make the point was that, is it operating as designed? Is it commanding things? And with a proper scan tool and proper training, we can apply shift solenoids and get things to try and work correctly. Chances are he's got an internal trans problem. He's probably got a bad solenoid packed, a solenoid that's starting to fail. And every once in a while, it, it's, its resistance value changes with temperature, and it goes into a different form or different mode of operation. But we don't know that until we start to look at data. Data in, data out. Tell me what's good. I'll tell you what's bad. Next. Email. Hey, Ron, I have a gripe about my 21 Ford Rangers home link buttons. Um, This is for Al in the Southwest. I actually answered this during the week because I thought it was pretty gosh darn important. I had five minutes, but I want to do it up here, too. They're active all the time. Even with the truck turned off, I suspect all Fords are wired this way. Living in the Southwest, I quite often leave the driver's window rolled down in the warmer months. The home leak buttons on the sun visor are powered up and active all the time. So anyone can open my garage. I would rather not have the buttons powered up all the time. I haven't seen a solution out there to remedy this. Any ideas? You know what? This is a problem. Uh, my own Explorer, my 2018 Explorer, can be sitting for a week. All I have to do is reach in through the window, the car door is closed, and hit the garage door button and the door goes up. So I think this is a flaw in Fords. This is one of the reasons I will not park a vehicle outside with a, a remote transmitter programmed like that. Um, we have a keypad on the garage and we use that. We prefer to use that. But I think this is a problem. I see a lot of vehicles, not just Fords, that do this. I think when they power down the vehicle, they should power down the garage door opener. I think this is a security flaw and it's stupidity. There's that word again, Tom. We're using using stupid a lot today. Uh, But it just doesn't make any sense. I I have seen no workarounds for this. Um, Well, actually, I did have one workaround. There's a company out there called WeatherTech. All right. And we all know WeatherTech. They make great products here in the U.S. They make all sorts of additional sun visors and shades and bumper stops and uh, great accessories for a vehicle. Their sunshade system, right, where it's that vent shade that clips into the window track and it'll provide about an inch of shade shaded material around the window. So you can leave the window open a crack and not have the problem with the warmer months. And not necessarily have to leave the window open. I think that's the best solution I've got. Short of that, you know, there's not much you can do. I mean, listen, this is a problem. All someone has to do is break a window. Uh, But I guess, you know what, if somebody wants to get into the house, they're going to get into the house, right? They're going to break the window, break the front door. Um, You know, there's just no. But, yeah, that's, that's a problem on a lot of vehicles, not just Fords. But I do agree with you. I think Ford missed the moment on that. I think after a certain amount of time, it should power down. Because... Give me a situation when you're going to walk up to a vehicle without your keys in hand that you've got to open the garage door and you want to use the remote that's programmed into the vehicle. I can't think of one. I can't think of what? I'm going to walk out to the garage door. I'm going to walk out to the garage, open the door, use the remote that's built into the sun visor, get out of the car and walk out the door instead of using the button that's on the wall. That doesn't make any sense. So I, I'm in agreement with you here, Al. I think Ford kind of missed the boat on this one. And... um I would tell you that yeah, I I you know get out the WeatherTech, buy yourself a set of shades if you want to leave it outside, and um, you know you can uh, you can solve sort of part of the problem like that. Hey, did you see the article um, that the car market is coming back? Car buyers frustrated with inventory. Uh, one of the articles I read this week says that the inventory shortages, if it's bothering you, you should over to Ford and GM. That the number of days supply of vehicles uh, with Ford is it 60 days. At GM, it's at 52 days. Uh, Chrysler is at 68. And um, there's a, only a 23-day supply at Toyota and a 28-day su- supply at Lexus. So it seems like the inventory is starting to sh- grow a little bit, which is sort of refreshing and uh, calming, I guess, in a sense. Um, I don't know why it's taken them this long to bring it back. The article also goes on to talk about the fact that the manufacturers are struggling with decisions. Do they want to make more vehicles aware of and i think that translates more or less into i think they like the fact that they can haggle over pricing and it puts them in a better seller's market it's a, it's a seller's market still and um, you know business is business i understand that so but be aware that Ford and GM right now seem to have the uh, largest supply of vehicles out there if you're looking for a new vehicle consider a Ford or a GM 8555609900 back to wrap it up right after this don't go away
0: Rev up
2: your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then, shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
1: Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
3: couple of questions, couple of comments as we wind things down this hour. Goodyear is in the news. Goodyear's new tire that they're coming out with is made from soybean oil, rice husks, and pine resin. So, yeah, I'll say that again. Soybean oil, rice husks, and pine resin, which means... If you get stuck on the side of the road, you can take one of the other three tires off and cook it and eat it, probably. I was going to say, many yeah. parts of pine trees are edible, you know. Yeah, you know, we can we can have a bit of a barbecue. But, yeah, that's where the market's going. It's made up of 90% of recyclable components, if that's the right word. They say this is not blue sky. 90% of its components are materials that come from sustainable sources. Goodyear says there are 17 sustainable ingredients to include things like recycled polyester. And plant-based components like soybean oil, rice husk waste, and biorenewable pine tree resin. It also uses steel with high recycled content and ISCC-certified mass-balanced polymers from bio and biocircular feedstock, whatever that means. So look for changes in tires and tire technology. It's ongoing. Tires are a big deal. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about tire repair. I mentioned tech tire and I, I don't believe I had the website to give out to you. A um, lot of interest in tires. It was interesting. I received an email from one gentleman who was in the tire repair business for a lot of years. He wrote me a really great email. I wish I could find that. I had put it somewhere. I said, oh, I want to save this. I want to read it. And sure enough, I lost it. But um, his points were well taken, and I appreciate the time he took to write that. But um, Tech Tire still makes a great product, as we pointed out. You want to get out to techtirerepairs.com to take a look at what they did. They've been around a very long time. And uh, they've created quite a bit of technology there for repairing tires. You've got to wonder how it will vary and change with a new design of tire. It'll put all the tire companies back to the drawing board, or the tire repair companies back to the drawing board. Um, But I'm sure companies like Tech Tire will do that. TechTireRepairs.com. And a real quick shout out once again from Altoona, Tom. Um, Hi, Ron. Sebastian here. I live near and work in Altoona, PA. Your shout-out to the community was much appreciated recently. We work hard and play hard out here, and we love our trucks and UTVs. My 2008 Ford Ranger has 196,000 miles on it, runs like a top. In fact, it's just broken in. Look at that. I've actually put something out into the culture of the society of language. Thanks for all you do for us, Shade Tree Mechanics, from all of us down here in Railroad City. We love the car, doctor, listening on WRTA AM 1240. Sebastian. Sebastian. To you and yours, I appreciate you being there. You guys make me want to work harder and harder because getting information out to everybody from professional mechanics to shade tree mechanics to just Harry homeowners and consumers, I'm here for you because I just want to give you all the information I have so you can do the best possible job and make the best possible decisions you can in your day-to-day. Till the next time, I'm Ron and, Amy and the car doctor. Happy to be here and proud to serve. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.
2: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then, shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com um